You are listening to the Venture Scale SaaS Operator, the podcast where we interview founders who are actually in the trenches. We talk about the transparent journey of how they build their SaaS companies, how they grow them, and what they would do differently if they would do it all over. Hey folks, with us today, Bob from Sellit.com. Usually my first question is what problem your company solves, but we first need to get one thing out of the way. How did you get this domain name? So this, this domain, we started out with salad.io and salad.com was parked uh, with an American company that sells ranch uh, salad dressing. And they hadn't used it since 1996. So <laughs> I just reached out to the, you know, the webmaster, the who is contact. Um, the company on LinkedIn, everyone I could. And eventually I hassled them so much that they sold us uh, salad.com after sitting on it for so many years. That, 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 sounds, that amount of hunting sounds appropriate for, for this domain. And it's not about vegetables today. So what, what does, uh, does your company actually solve for its customers? Yeah, so we're, we're building um, a cloud computing uh, service. So you know, the big names in the industry are the AWS's, GCP, Azure's of the world. Um, we're, we're kind of moving into that space. But instead of building data centers to provide these cloud computing services, um, we're actually tapping into a very different model, kind of the shared economy, um, the P2P model, and installing um, software on, on gaming PCs. Uh, so it's a fully distributed infrastructure um, and, and obviously I could share more on, on that, but, um, you know, in, in short, Nicholas, we're a, a cloud computing company. Yeah. And then I would love to stay like on the strategic level, because as you mentioned, they're like huge companies in this space. So it's a very competitive space. When starting out roughly six years ago, what was your strategy going, going in? Because you knew already there that they're like elephants in the room. You need to hunt down, basically. Yeah, yeah. We so so the the initial kind of um, aha or why now moment for salad came from recognizing that uh, the two sided market problem for what we wanted to build was was solved. Um, so we're a marketplace, right? We have suppliers of compute resources and then demand. Um, back in 2017, we saw that. Uh, uh, it was the crypto space and proof of work. You know, these this represented demand or a customer that was online 24-7, 365. It put a price tag on every connected computer, internet connected computer. And so we were able to essentially not worry about the demand side. So unlike, you know, these big cloud companies that have these huge sales teams and, and whatnot, um, we could focus purely on supply. How do we you know, acquire, motivate, retain uh, these thousands of gamers to provide their compute, to trust us, you know, establish the brand and whatnot um, so that we could build up this, this level of supply. So it's, you know, we're venture funded. It's been the classic kind of journey of, of get through different gates, get through different milestones, prove, you know, you can, you can now overcome um, kind of the next challenge. And, and so four years we spent building out that supply side with with proof of work as our monetization and now we're we're kind of turning to the demand side and and you know to answer your question today we um was very 
hyper-focused on one specific use case, use case within the cloud computing um, space, which is uh, GPUs. Well, that's the hardware that power this use case, and that's, that's um, serving AI inference at scale. So that's where we can really compete and have uh, a good uh, selling point compared to the big incumbents. So is the selling point, like right this second, in like mid-2023, literally, you, ca you can't get your hands on NVIDIA ships. You can't, you can't get the hardware even if you want to. And due to your access to gamers, we have the, the, the GPUs in their PCs. Is that the, the exact uh, selling point right now? Yeah. So we, we are incredibly fortunate. You know, I always say for, for a startup to be successful, you know, you need to survive long enough to kind of realize the moment where you get lucky. And, and um, you know, as you mentioned, we're almost six years old now. We, we uh, always knew AI would have a, you know, a, there'd be a customer base for us. Um, but really, it wasn't until this recent kind of explosion in the AI space that led to this shortage of GPU chips that you described that really gave us the opportunity to kind of go to market um, and find customers that were very willing, not only willing to hear us, but happy to hear from us because there is such a GPU shortage. Um, so yeah, that's, that's been a big, a big gift for us to kind of get that initial traction on, uh, uh, on the demand side. If you need to hire the right developers and ship fast, then React Squad is for you. A boutique agency that specializes in React and only works with fast-growth startups. Get a 14-day risk-free trial and a transparent price of $95 per hour. Visit reactsquad.io to learn more. And then how does it work in terms of pricing? So for, assuming I'm an AI company, I, I want my models trained, do I buy a subscription from you and you handle the marketplace side of it in the backend or do you literally connect me to like for gamers in Connecticut or, or whatever. Yeah, no, we handle it all. We abstract it all the way. So the user experience quite deliberately, you know, we spent a year and a half building this system to be exactly the same as, as a big box kind of, or, or sorry, the, the big hyperscaler, um, you know, provider. So they all have, um, the specific product that we offer is a managed container service. You give us your Docker image or, you know, your, your containerized workload. Um, you tell us what hardware requirements you, you need, um, you know, what GPU you need, and then we handle all of the rest, the orchestration, you know, the distribution, the failover, logging, observability. Uh, so from the customer's perspective, exactly the same as, as what you would experience at NAWS or GCP. Uh, but the price point, you know, we come in, um, it's around 10% the price and, and we could go well, even lower, but there's a risk that people start to question like, well, so let, let me repeat that 10% meaning one tenth of the price that AWS is charging. Yeah. This is what we're really proud of. Um, you know, it's, it's been a five-year challenge to, to, to build this thing. You know, there's so many different moving pieces in this business, but the unit economics are, are really phenomenal with what we've built. So if you think about these big cloud providers, you know, they have the capital expenditure, the operational expenditure of, of these data centers, the, the maintenance, the upgrade cycle. Um, we don't have that. We, we are tapping into hardware that already has been purchased for different use case, is sitting there latent, unused for you know, 20 hours per day. The internet's been paid for. Um, there is a little bit of electricity to run your computer, of course. 
Um, but but it's a completely different model that kind of gives us a an input cost that is is very different to you know a centralized cloud. Now obviously there's trade offs, right? Um, uh, but but that's the big unique selling point for us is we come in uh, at a fraction of the cost. What what would be one of those trade offs, like from a customer perspective? Yeah, so so it's it's more mental than anything. Team and I have spent a year building out the security layers here. You know, we we partition the machine at at kind of almost the hardware level, like the hypervisor level. We create a, a our, and install our own operating system, so it's completely secure, independent um, uh, from the host machine. But there's that mental challenge of. Um, if you're a customer of salads, my code is going to be running on some random machine somewhere rather than, you know, the known entity of AWS or, or Google. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because if you, if you go to Google and kind of search and put your time frame of pre-2010, that's when the cloud was first emerging, all of the news articles are, are saying, I'm never going to move to the cloud because I don't trust them with my data, right? So, so it's the exact same problem that the big cloud providers faced 15 years ago. Um, it's the same problem that Uber and Airbnb face. You know, a complete stranger is going to pick you up in their car or a complete stranger is going to stay in your, your spare bedroom. Um, so it's just a matter of time and, and kind of building the social proof, building that track record where there's no, you know, incidents or, or, or breaches and, and, um, and, and kind of making, uh, making a name for ourselves from there. So, so that, that would be one of the problems. Um, but uh, and, and there's obviously a lot of technical layers I could start to delve into there. But like you say, let's keep it keep it high level here. <laughs> I would love to switch gears a bit from more of the product conversation to the company building set. So how, you you already mentioned that you're a venture backed. How much did you raise so far, roughly? Yeah, we we our most recent round was a 17 million dollar US um, Series A that was that was last year, early 2022, um, and we had a, a handful of, of kind of like pre-seed and seed rounds prior to that. Yeah, so let's like roughly 20 million, like we went in or something. And you, yeah, I stalked you on LinkedIn as one does, and you have like roughly 50 employees. Is that right in terms of the ballpark, or how big is the company in terms of the the headcount? Yeah, there's about 50, just shy of 50, um, uh, kind of 40 and change. We have. Yep, and then how? For such a internally technical, like deep, kind of like a deep tech, deeply technical product, how how is the team split? Like, is it like half engineers? Like, how is the split between engineering, marketing, operations, and so on? I always find that super interesting. Yeah. So we we only just made our first marketing hire um, about four months ago. So so that's very new, kind of a one man team there. Um, as you kind of um, suggested, very heavy on engineering, right? It's it, what we are building is deeply technical. We have work to do on, you know, at the operating system, work to do with orchestration, distribution, work to, and then client side, server side. There's security. There's um, um, a really big engineering team, and they're kind of split into squads. So we have a product manager working with you know, a handful of product managers, each working in kind of a, a squad, um, uh, which are made up largely of engineers, but then kind of one level up because we're a marketplace. We have sort of the demand side, customer side, squads and teams, 
and then we have the supply side squad that that looks after kind of the um uh the gamers so so there's there's several kind of splits yeah. within the the old I, w- I, I would i would love to double click on that because for the people who might be like pre-series or, or just like before like a big siege on it like hiring is ahead of the, them basically so in starting from the top so you have a cto i i assume and then below the cto is there then Engineering manager, could you break down the org chart of, of the engineering organization for us? Yeah, we we don't have C level titles yet, um, but but you know the equivalent of essentially yeah, our head of head of engineering, and then we have a engineering manager um, that then coordinates. Th- there's actually two kind of engineering slash project managers, um, one engineering manager for the demand side and one for the supply side, and so. Um, and then and then engineers in each of those squads. So yep. so visually, that's kind of what the the org chart and looks how, like. How big how big is a squad? Like how many engineers per squad? It depends. We we as big as five, um, and as small as one. There's there's a squad where there's just a kind of a one man, you know, army, um, yeah, looking after uh, um, you know, the crypto side of things. So, but it's very fluid. It's it's you know, such is the nature of the startup. You you're constantly have to kind of um revisit whether your because your human resources and what they're focused on um you know as a reflection of capital allocation where are you spending your money and is that the right thing for the company right now and and maybe we're unique in the sense that it's quite complicated you know there's supply side demand side juggling there but but we're constantly it, it is quite fluid you know we we do kind of uh, pull people from here and throw them there, and and um, um, it's great in in that sense that everyone on the team really gets to work with everyone else. So um, we don't have a huge emphasis on the old chat yeah. here. I'll, I'll put it that way. Yeah, no, I, I always find that super interesting, just because we we try to like go into the nitty gritty because that's like in the end when you listen to a podcast, that's like the things you can actually apply if you have like if you're building your org right now. Um, and then, okay, so of the, of, of the seven, uh, 47, like how, how many are roughly engineers then? Just like roughly. Yeah, pr- probably about half. I, I would say about 20. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah about okay. 20 are engineers. So then the, we have the engineering department covered. We have the one marketing person covered. What's, what's the rest of the split in terms of the rest of the, the piece? Yeah, so, so um, four on the product team. Um, and then we've got, Community manager um, uh, um, and a couple of guys doing kind of go to market on the supply side. A couple of guys doing go to market on the demand side. So, so, so are, they, are those then basically like salespeople, or what do you mean if they, like if you say go to market there? Yeah. So, yeah. so these guys have been with us for for years now, like three, four years, and another thing. In a startup, you wear many different hats, right? So, particularly if you are truly building something new and unique, it's not like you can go out and hire for that specific skill set. So, we we kind of within the ranks have have taken um, on the supply side the the skill uh, or the discovery that we made that we then kind of developed into our own internal skill set is influencer marketing. So these these two guys um, working very closely with influencers, and then on the demand side, we actually borrowed that um, because a lot of our customers have big Discord 
servers and and you know you want to meet your customers where they are so the influencer marketing side of it is a very different day-to-day kind of focus than than direct sales but um on paper it's very different but it's actually quite similar you know they're in discord (laughs) they're trying to make these connections drum up these conversations and and it's working so um yeah it's it's Direct sales, eventually we want to be product-led growth. So therein comes the marketing uh, side of it for, for kind of the brand awareness. Um, but then it's influencer marketing on the, on the supply side of this marketplace. Interesting. And then how, as you said, you, you're just starting, starting out with that Series A to build on like the, the, the actual brand to, to be very known. How do you plan that currently? Yeah, so on the supply side, I'd say we're very well known. You know, for five five years now, we would have hundreds of of um, influencers that we've worked with, and that's evergreen content. That's always up there on on link, uh, not LinkedIn, sorry, YouTube. Um, and you, we got the social proof, like like you know, the trust pilot and big Discord community and whatnot. So so we're known there in the on the demand side. Um, that's the challenge we're, we're kind of facing now and, and specific to us, um, one of the big challenges we've faced the last year is, is, uh, we can support any workload, any use case in any vertical with any buyer, you know, you could be a data scientist, you could be an artist doing rendering, you could be an engineer doing simulations, you could be, you know, DevOps doing CI, CD. We had to pick something, right? Because if you dilute yourself too much, you'll never make a name for yourself. So, so, so we kind of picked the um, um, the hot flavor of the month right now, which is AI serving AI inference at scale, uh, but specifically stable diffusion. So generating images um, at scale, and and we're fortunate that some of the big names in the space are using us as their back end, and so. We're kind of marching towards a um, a big announcement with with the biggest um, stable diffusion community in the space. Uh, so I think that's going to you know um, be incredibly helpful for us in terms of like establishing the brand because we like I said we haven't done we just hired a marketing hire recently haven't we're not on any market landscape maps so we're only just launching the product now after kind of a a year and a half of building this this container service so. Um, we're, we're shifting now into into that next chapter, and I think it's going to come through through just big name relationships is is kind of the strategy right now. I mean, you, you're quite experienced as an entrepreneur compared to maybe the the average uh, or at least the younger listeners. How do you manage the conflict? Is maybe the the wrong word, but the pull between knowing that going narrow and having focus is what is needed to have an easier way of penetrating a market compared to, especially for venture-backed companies, you kind of have the obligation to go big. So how, how do you plan like the, the going in steep and then broadening? Yeah, it's... Well, with, with clarity comes confidence. So, so over the last... 18 months while we've been building this, this thing, um, one of the truths that we've known, one of the things that is true, um, 
is that we, we, our TAM, our total addressable market is massive because it's any job, any workload, any use case. Um, but for us to realize that future, um, you know, we have to survive, right? And so, so to survive and subsequently thrive, you've got to, you've got to, you know, get that initial traction and, and, um, if you dilute yourself too much, that failure mode of running out of money is is very real. Probably the primary failure mode. So, I think picking, you know, picking a horse and kind of backing it and making sure. And if you pick the wrong horse, because that can happen, um, you know, changing your mind quickly and, and kind of pivoting quickly is is um, is important. But um, and as long as you build the strategy based on okay, what what milestones specifically in terms of like revenue do I need to hit to unlock this next round? You know, this, you know, series B, series B, series C, whatever it might be. Um, um, and make sure that what you're going after and kind of focusing your efforts on is big enough and, and, you know, you have enough clarity and therefore confidence to actually hit, um, you know, cross that threshold to unlock future funding to then go after bigger horizons. and. Um, We've faced this question and there's been fierce debate internally many times, many times, two times really in, in our history where we've had to pick something, put our efforts into it and, and you know, hit the metrics needed to then unlock more capital because with more cash, then, then you have the ability to kind of grow into that, that future um, addressable market. So first off, I love the quote of, Clarity brings confidence. And then on the, on the two times you had to make that decision, what's the framework you use to think through that? Yeah, it's... So our, our, the challenge we faced is probably unique or, or less common for most startups. Um, that workload agnostic nature of, of salad meant um, there were many right answers. Uh, but how did we get to a point where we have that confidence or that, you know, well, we have that clarity on and, and therefore we're confident this is the right answer. And, and so for us, it was an exercise of um, uh, essentially my time, founder time, spray and pray. Oh, no, that's the wrong expression, but compartmentalize my time into different use case, different vertical, um, and essentially do like a scientific experiment where, okay, I reach out to 100 people in this vertical with this use case, 100 in this vertical with use case, and so on and so on. We started with about, I think it was 18 or 19 use cases, and then try and find some signal, you know, who's actually getting back to you, which of these potential customers have a um, pain and deep enough pockets you know, for, for you to find a fit with your product. So for us, it was a case of trial and error, but I don't know if that's the right strategy for every um, startup, right? It's, it's, it was kind of unique to us. No, but, well, but what I think people can learn from that is you didn't make a theoretical discussion out of the thing, but you, you actually went out, got data, and based on that data, you made a decision. And it wasn't just like people like, ramming their heads against each, against each other and just like whoever is the better debater just won. 
yeah, oh, that's a sure way to die, right? Um, um, or to not make it is is convince yourself that that you've got it right because you've never got it right. You you need you need to be out there chatting to people and and but it's super tough. It was probably the hardest year for me. Um, I was chatting to another founder last year who was describing like trying to find product market fit as a lonely walk through the desert because. You know, you 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 can go months where you know you're going after having these conversations, and it's just you're just not finding that signal that you need. So, um, uh, you know, there, there was a risk we never we never would right, um, we never would find a, a home for our product. But but uh, thankfully, that's not the case. We uh, you know, we, we found it eventually. But that was the methodology that we used. Yeah, and and the conversations we're having now um, are bringing that confidence we we are replicating this response rate from from these customers that we're reaching out to or these prospects that we're reaching out to and you know turning them into customers i love that and then as a final question before we wrap up what's your big vision for seller.com yeah we're, we're looking to um you know democratize access to compute resources uh but by allowing individuals to share share their resources you know so by being the easiest and most trusted way to to share your computer we kind of see a future where um uh computing resources particularly in the era of ai are more accessible to to everyone and and um you know that, that's what we're aiming to accomplish here at here at salad i love it well thanks a ton for coming on today thank you nicholas if you like this episode then you'll love the SaaS operator a weekly newsletter brought to you by Early Node with actionable insights from SaaS experts in the industry delivered right to your inbox every Tuesday for free. Visit earlynode.com to subscribe.